Hello, and welcome to another episode of Sicker Than Most. I'm your host, Steve, and today I have a good friend of mine. He's also a rock star, too. Sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. This is going to be a good episode. I already got a good feeling about this one. That's my boy, Brian. You know, he is um, four years sober. Four years. That's right. Going strong. Four years in a row. In a row. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he's got an incredible story. Um, You know, I met him probably like my first maybe month or two uh, sober this time around here, here in, Fresno. in Fresno. Yeah. 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 And it's been an amazing, he's been an amazing part of my recovery and uh, you know, just a, uh, just like a, you know, a light, you know, oh, a light through dude, all the that's, darkness. That's so sweet. Hell yeah, dude. Oh. Hell yeah. So basically um, without further ado, I'm going to introduce you to our guest and then we'll get into a little bit about uh, his story and you know, what's, life like for him now you know we got a lot of good Word. war stories here on this episode we got a lot of um you know we got a lot of hope and inspiration to come in your guys's way so stay tuned this is going to be a good one so without further ado brian right. what's going uh, yeah. on hey uh i'm brian um thank you steve for asking me to do this uh i am uh i like looking at steve's equipment here because i'm a guy who likes sound and sound technology too and i'm like ooh, yeah i got the good stuff yeah this is that Making that sweet sound, you know, and uh, he is correct. My uh, sobriety clean day is September 4th of 2015, and uh, one day at a time, I plan on keeping that, you know, that's that's what all things move toward in my life these days, and um, yeah, Steve is also correct that it was not always that way. Um, you know, today my life is pretty full with good things. And it used to be not so much. Yeah, <laughs> you know? I can only imagine. And uh, you know, oh man, like going back, I think one thing that was important to me when I uh, first came in the rooms, uh, maybe that's a, another thing of note, that the first time I came to uh, a meeting or became aware of Alcoholics Anonymous, uh, I still remember the date, March 8th, 2012. Uh, so I spent a few years like trying to get this thing I don't want to say right, because I would be hesitant to say that I do anything like right, as in correct, like there's one way to do it, but trying to figure out how to have my life be compatible with being sober, you know, and uh, so it took a few years to get that, Um, but when I first came in then, something I heard that was important to me was somebody said, there was no reason for me to be an addict or an alcoholic, you know, I was never abused. Um, I was never hit as and abused in any way, you know, I had like standard, um, just, you know, like people aren't perfect. My parents weren't perfect, you know, right. but, but it's hard. It's, it's like almost impossible to have like right. perfect parents. Yeah. You know? you know, I mean, shit, they're still married. It's been like, uh, what was it? Their anniversaries this month. They got married in 1984, you know, like I got, uh, I got nothing to complain about in my childhood. You know, I was, I was poor. That was definitely something that influenced it, you know, and uh, it's funny, dude, and looking at like all these resentments I had, like, you know, uh, I was angry at the world and, uh, um, you know, uh, man, the f- I remember the first time I used any drug, I was 13 years old, I think, and I was just pissed off, man, so angry, I don't know what it was about, but 
through the grace of the dare program at school i learned shout out dare shout out dare bro y'all taught me that i could take a deep breath of household chemicals and and get high for a little bit yeah so i went around the house looking for anything that said like do not use in an enclosed area and i went to an an enclosed area and i (laughs) and i breathed deeply you know, and it wasn't great, you know, like a little head spin, maybe a little head spin. And I'm uh, like, okay, this is, this is kind of neat, but whatever, you know? And, um, like I was just, uh, I was your standard depressed, angry kid. You know, there was really nothing outstanding about me. And, um, I mean, part of that did stem from some things, you know, like I'm, People always tell me I'm a smart guy. I don't know that I've ever said myself that I'm a smart guy. That might be one of those self-esteem problems that I'm still working on. But, like, I never, I wasn't going to be, like, I didn't want to do any, like, scholarship programs. I was the kid who had, uh, like, I never studied in high school, ever. You know, got good grades. You know, I would rather be finding ways to uh, cause damage, you know. Like, everything that my intelligence brought me was an, uh, a look at the world that said, the world is a fucked up place, and it sucks, and there's no hope. Where did that mindset come from? Uh, you know, uh, I think part of it, like, that's one of the things that came from my parents, that it's probably, like, I would never say it's their fault, but, you know, my dad was, uh, he comes from a family that's all very well educated, uh, my my aunts are they use that education to be teachers one's an attorney and uh but my dad never like he never found what he wanted to do you know he's worked at a grocery store for 25 years and he's like he doesn't hate his life i don't know but he's not happy i don't think and so i looked i'm like wow you do all that hard work and you're still miserable you're still miserable wow you know and uh I saw my parents staying married and not really being happy. I'm like, well, why would I bother with that either? You know, and uh, part of that, like having an inquisitive mind, everything I read and learned about the world pointed me to a, a belief that humans were not good. You know, and I was raised. Uh, part of that was also being raised in a, a very Christian household. My parents were went to a, one of the more conservative branches of the Lutheran Church. It was every Sunday. That's where I was going to be. And somewhere around that point, 14 or 15, it just really started to, I started to see problems in that. I'm like, how does this work? Okay, this works really good for you, but what about people who are struggling? What about people who, uh, you know, who just bad things just happen to you? You know, all the classic, like, first questions people ask right. when they come to God. You know, why do bad things happen to good people? Why, how could this terrible thing be a part of God's plan, you know? And... These are all very, like, anybody who's ever studied philosophy or, I mean, kind of when I hear those questions, I cringe a little. I'm like, oh, that's so, like, sophomoric. Like, you don't even bother with those questions. But to me, those were the questions I had. I asked them and didn't get good answers. You know, just like, you don't ask questions wasn't a good enough answer to me. Or or just that, just because. Right, just because. And I'm like, that that doesn't work. Right. And, uh... I think, you know, like I started drinking, smoking weed a little bit in in high school, but the first time I really got loaded wasn't until I was 17 and I just got royally drunk. And for the first time in my life, like this is that experience to me that really like 
clinches it like um for identifying as an alcoholic and a drug addict was like I felt like coming home or like I had finally found a way to feel good like I hadn't felt good for years and like just getting completely wasted I was like oh my god I can talk to girls and like people think I'm funny you know and uh of course I ended the night like puking and crying and falling asleep in my buddy's uh you know jeep like but you know I come back to come back to school on Monday and they're like oh dude Brian uh you're so funny and awesome from like oh you know the hot girls and the cool kids and yeah I'm like, oh yeah oh, like this is yeah. it you know right so was that kind of just like the you, you mentioned that that was like the moment when things you know you started to realize it was good but was that like the clicking moment where you just started using like all the drinking and using all the time or what did it still did you still have a little more progression it's really that? weird man yeah there was definitely more progression it was and i think it's just whether you want to look at it as I was saved or just prevented immediate consequences by the house I was in, you know, my, my parents, neither of them drank. Um, nobody in my family drinks. Um, I'm, I'm the oldest child. I never had older brothers to be like, Hey, grab me a, you know, six pack or a bottle or whatever. Nobody around me like smoke. You know, it was really funny. Even in high school, my friends, they would never hook me up with their connects. I think they knew. Right. They, they never like if you ask for like oh you got someone who could sell me weed like yeah. they'd be like nah they, yeah they'd be like you know what? just just let me know and I'll get it for you I think hmm. they knew man they fucking knew they knew all along they knew all along they're like nah nah I, I keep wanting to say my last name but I kind of want to keep it woke except for the uh, you know Facebook friends who are like okay yeah hey that's that's my boy <laughs> but uh because my friends all call me by my last name but uh yeah, no, there was more progression because I was kept from, there was really no way for me to get alcohol. I, I got weed in high school, you know, but it was like, I don't know, it, it wasn't every day, you know. I, I got drunk at school a few times and people had bottles with them, but, and, oh, it was great. I loved being drunk at school, man. I wish no, I could have done it all the time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I um, think that for someone who who is an alcoholic who's just not like you know especially in the early stages yeah and then they they like have to go to school like you have to go to high school right, right? Thing. so know, they have to they, it's something it. they have to do and they're just miserable the whole time then you yeah. find out that like everything's more entertaining drunk oh it's like high school is one of the best places right. to get drunk as yeah. a kid you it's know perfect you can just talk shit to all the teachers <laughs> sit back in the class you know you maybe put a hoodie on put some headphones in Dude. and you're just vibing it was so much chiller yeah yeah, yeah. But it wasn't until um, it wasn't until I went to college that I really it was just like yeah this is it. What college yeah. did you go to? I went to UC Santa Cruz. There it uh, is, little yeah. party school down there. Oh, dude, it's it's a really interesting vibe because it it is a UC. So you got like the kids there like me that are like yes I'm going to this chill environment, and then you got this other whole I don't know whether I would say it's an even 50 50 or whether there are more people there like this but it's like I'm going to UC I'm all about studying like they aren't even trying to party or definitely not trying to party at the level I was you right. know and uh right. maybe a little experimentation a little but, experimentation you know yeah. I gotta do this for science you know yeah but, uh, <laughs> yeah man um no nah, dude I got there and it was damn near immediate you know I mean at right off definitely smoking weed every day Right. You know, just that was just constant. That's the culture down there in Santa yeah. Cruz. It's I mean, not it even like, like what are we gonna do? Yeah. yeah, smoke weed, go to the beach. It's like me and my friends used to joke, like weed. That's like that's like 
I drink my drink my coffee in the morning. You know, right. like that's it's. Wh- yeah. What do you mean drug? You right. know, and uh, it's more of like a meal. Yeah, yeah. You know, I gotta hey, wake up. It's a second breakfast, dude. Hobbits be about that life, right? You know, second um, breakfast. <laughs> no, that was that was right away that, and you know, still, you know, you're underage. It's, it's hard to, hard to get alcohol, but it wasn't too hard. You well, know? The, the thing is too is like especially when in places like that where weed's just so accessible, mm-hmm. it's easier it's easier to get weed than it is to get alcohol when you're under 21 because you know, at a store you have to go and have an ID or a fake ID or or know someone with weed. You just have to know a guy who's already selling it and they're not going to card you. No. And there's not even any difficulty in knowing the guy, you know, as you walk outside, Oh, Hey, you know, I can get bud and nine times out of 10, he's the guy who can get you, bud. you you know, like everybody like that's, I think it's almost like a college project and the particular college I was at at UC Santa Cruz. It's like, that was everybody's thing. Like move to Santa Cruz. Oh, this is going to be my project this semester. Like buy an ounce and move up, you know, (laughs) (laughs) just see what they can do. Yeah. We say there was more like drug or, you know, like weed, weed dealers than there was like weed smokers no but it's like anybody who you know they come to college they got their tuition money it's they they got a bank account their parents might not be watching it's no ain't no thing to just buy a couple ounces a half pound you know and be like okay i'm gonna sell to people and pay for my smoke you know that's pretty much i don't know anybody who ever like made money smoking weed no i mean selling weed yeah it's kind of just to to smoke it's like I, i can pay for my smoke yeah but uh so I was like the smoking weed, the drinking, it was just like daily, you know, and my, my first quarter there, it was like, I didn't perform as well as I thought. It was just a very, like a disillusioning experience. And I began to, what happened, so there was like this period there, I had this really, uh, we were getting a lot of, not a lot, but it, it had been, when was it? I think it might've been my 18th birthday. So it would have been before I left for Santa Cruz, but it was the first time I tried Oxycontin. Mm. Oh, like OCs? Yeah, yeah. And that was, oh my God, that was just the best thing ever. You know what's kind of funny is I remember when growing up and smoking weed and and drinking and stuff like that. And then when some of my friends got into, you know, uh, introduced me to pills and you know i started taking pills and then everyone was like what i'm like what's like vicodin what's like oxy like and i'm like man if you like smoking weed you're gonna love pills because <laughs> it's just that but like 10 times better oh dude and it, it was like so honestly i only had fun smoking weed for maybe there was high school where it was fun because it was kind of just I was only smoking when I was kicking it with the homies. Right. So there was no pressure. I'm just hanging out with the boys. Uh, it's, it's a good time. But it was only, God, maybe maybe a month, a month and a half once I moved to Santa Cruz where I actually enjoyed smoking weed. And after that, it was just, I still smoked every day for the next like three years. I actually quit smoking weed before I quit doing anything else. Was it like, did it feel like smoking weed was a chore? Yeah. Yeah. It was a chore. I, I had a huge tolerance and... Uh, I got like panic attacks, bad anxiety. Like my friends never got it. They're like, dude, weed chills me out. I'm like, bro, every time I smoke weed, I just want to curl up in a ball and sit in my room until I am not this way anymore. <laughs> like wow. I just uh-huh. want to hide from people. And uh, so that's why the opiates really kind of just, like, oh, yeah, were, were the fit. Cause I was like, dude, this just, yeah, like exactly the opposite. And, and it's weird. I've heard before. Um, from people that uh, addicts react differently to drugs. Maybe not all addicts, like across the board. 
but uh, like I've heard people be like, you know, I I chuckle at the normies and they're like, oh, I take I take a Vicodin and I feel so sleepy. I just I can't like, do anything. Oh my god, dude! And I'm like, dude, fucking I rail an OC80 and I want to get up and conquer the world, man. Right. And uh, so that's that was my reaction. First time I uh, I remember being at home. It had been a birthday present. One of Someone the, gave the you an, an best Oxycontin? and worst birthday present wow. ever. Was that the first time getting high on Oxy? Yeah. Yeah. It was a birthday present. Uh-huh. Wow. Oh, congratulations. Welcome to adulthood. Yeah. And <laughs> here's uh, a here's a here's a pill that's going to lead you into crippling addiction. Here's your here is the, uh, <laughs> the here's to pain the next 10 years of your life. <laughs> yeah. And uh it was just everything that usually drove me nuts was cool. You know, like I uh I'm still tech support for my dad, but gifts of sobriety, homie, like I don't mind doing it. But back right. then I hated it. And I woke up, popped my oxy. Well, let's see how this goes. And uh, I was, oh, it was like creeping up. And uh, my dad asked me to help him with some stupid shit on the computer. I'm like, damn. And I'm helping him, and I'm like, I love this. I'm hmm. helping my dad. We're we're sitting here chilling, and I'm telling him how to do things. And you're and not just, getting pissed and off. And I'm not getting pissed off, irritated. Wow. We're just hanging out, you know, and. Uh, I was just helping him out with stuff. It was good. It was just like, I'm like, oh, here we go. This is it. This is where I need to be all the time. Right. And that began like kind of the obsessive quest. You know, uh, that was like the go-to. And I was still experiment, like trying things out, you know. I don't know if this is a thing anymore, but when I was uh, in my newer stages, it was like try everything, you know. And um, we are like, he had, had friends like, making mescaline and we're setting up fake email accounts to order uh, research chemicals from china like 2ci and 2cb and what was the other one 5meo dpt or something like that 25i is it the same shit uh, i think that's something different but okay. like all, all those different like research chemicals that are kind of psychedelic a little bit tweaky and uh <laughs> so just doing everything but that was it was the it was the opiates and then uh i think my great downfall was finding my own coke dealers you know and uh i just it was it was pretty simple man like i just started doing coke every single day flunk my classes the santa cruz years are really very boring just standard just I, standard college dropout shit yeah like i got in uh a homie was picking up he uh my my coke connect my my main one he uh he was like, here, I'll give you your money back. I can't make it over today to pick it up. And I, but I heard him talking about heroin and I'm like, dude, I, uh, couldn't help it over here. He's like, <laughs> he's like, uh, yeah, we're talking about that. And, uh, I'm like, keep my money, get me some of that shit. And that was like, okay, this is it. This is it. This is, um, much more cost effective than these pharmaceuticals. Yeah, you know? absolutely. <sighs> And it just brought me, yeah, you know, I just flunked out of college. That's the long and short of it. There really are no interesting stories, you know, embarrassing situations. Um, but that's about it. Right. You know. So then after you dropped out of college, you moved back to Fresno? And I then... moved back to Fresno with the bright idea I wouldn't be able to find heroin here. <sighs> yeah, because drugs don't exist in Fresno. Right. Didn't it was you a hear? brilliant idea. <laughs> um, you know, I was good for a minute. I got a job and... Um, as soon as I got hired, uh, 
started started using again. You know, I I spent three months just drinking because that won't fuck up a drug test. Right. Um. And uh. I don't know. It, that was like part of the steady, like lowering me finding lower places to go, being okay with it, and just like kind of just fighting tooth and nail against life. You know, it's like, oh, flunk out of college, okay, whatever. Oh, so, you know, I, I went in to the counseling office at UC Santa Cruz, met with my counselor, and said, I, I, I want to withdraw from all my classes. I was failing them all. He's like, okay, like, what's going on? And I'm, I just, just straight up, like, just looked him right in the face and said, I'm addicted to heroin. And he's like, oh, okay. And, uh, you know, he said, like. Just like that. Yeah, just you, like that. You're just, I, I was done, man. I was done fighting, and uh, he was like, "You know, we can give you if you go to rehab, we can give you a medical leave of absence, and you can come back because with your GPA, there's like nothing you can do. Like, but if we give you a medical leave of absence, you can come back and do better. And uh, I don't like, I don't need rehab. You know, like no." I ain't going to do that. I'm going to take my chances. And, uh, you know, I try to take classes at City College and work. I mean, that's still what I'm doing, right? But I try to do that and work all while still, while, you know, changing nothing about my life. Just you location. Know, just, just changing location. your location, thinking you know, everything's going to uh, Just steadily, uh, well, I don't know, this is one interesting thing we did in Santa Cruz. I sold heroin and cocaine for a while. How'd that turn out? Uh, I never made any money, but I did like the weed thing with cocaine. I got to do cocaine for free, but that was kind of cool. So, uh, we had a, had a neat little, little connect with, a uh, MS 13 out in the forest there. So <laughs> yeah. we would, uh, <laughs> talk to us about this story. Yeah. So how does a little white boy get involved with MS 13? Well, it's, it's, uh, it, it's a process, but well, I, it actually wasn't much of a process. You just got to be fucked up enough, you know, like we kind of do this thing like, okay, where you're, uh. I don't know. I always dressed kind of like I was grungy anyway. So you, you just walk back up the train tracks. They got their spotter out there. He'll look you over. You're like, hmm, hmm. Okay. You look like you actually want to buy some drugs. And <laughs> don't, uh, don't come out with a suit. Otherwise, right. I'll shoot you. <laughs> no, no. Unless you uh, unless you can show them your track marks or something. But uh, you go up. You have and to have a rite of passage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you got to be legit. And do, it was straight up like walking up to a store, man. You knew when it was, they were open like 11 to 8 every day. And that was what it was. They're open or closed. And uh, he's just chilling out there in the forest. He's got his uh, uh, homies with AKs in the distance in the forest kind of kind of watching and he's got a huge sack of white and a huge sack of black just sitting in front of him in a little scale he's got his homie behind him with a with a pistol in his waistband just staring you down no shirt of course just ripped tatted up the one guy oh i i hated when that guy was there he creeped me out so bad he had had his head shaved and horns tattooed on his head i was just like this guy's bad news yeah like standing there And, and it was that easy I mean, in the sense that there's really nothing to it, but you got to have, you got to be, it's like you get willing to go to certain lengths to get your drugs. And it was a good price. You're willing to walk out there in the forest and, and buy, you know, an ounce of white or an ounce of black at a time. You'll get a good price. And then you come back and bump it up, you know, cut it, cut your white with some vitamin C pills, you know, uh, mm-hmm. 
cut cut your grams of black in half and tell people who don't know any better better it's a gram you know right shit like that and um yeah but nothing nothing good ever came of that no right one time out in that par- that apartment we had a couple of drunk girls walk by and we we're just chilling or smoking cigarettes out on our patio they're like, we heard that heroin dealers live here. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, shut up. Come inside if you want, but shut up. <laughs> oh, there it is, dude. There it is. Nothing like a good, you know, yeah. drunk white girl to ruin the whole like, situation. Dude, <laughs> not cool. <laughs> oh, shit. And so then that was kind of just like the the hustle there for Santa in Santa Cruz where you finally yeah, had to move that was back. it you know that's when I started using needles too was in Santa Cruz lost that inhibition pretty quickly it wasn't that difficult for me I was just like okay this is just what I do now right you know cost effectiveness and better high cost effective more yeah uh, use effective you know right. like I feel this right away yeah. sweet yeah yeah. Uh, other people seem to think it was a big deal. I don't know. I don't know what all the fuss was about. Oh yeah. Know? No, I think that was still a, the trip, dude. Even even like uh, when my life was completely fucked up, right? <laughs> uh-huh. I still like couldn't wrap my head around like why need why everyone flipped out like yeah. Like, literally, you, you, you go to a house party and like you're getting kicked out because you want to shoot up the coke that pe- other people are, are yeah, snorting. Yeah, dude. Like, it doesn't make... It's like... We're dude, doing what, the same drugs. Yeah, what's the big deal, guys? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I'm feeling better than you are. You should be asking me about this. Yeah. <laughs> not kicking me out. Ask me about my IV use. Right? <laughs> dude. Fuck. You guys are all wrong on this. You guys are yeah. on the wrong side of yeah. the equation here. But it just goes <laughs> to show that, like, that once you get to that point where your brain is rationalizing IV drug oh, use, yeah. you're, yeah. it's a whole different ball game. Oh, dude. It's, you know? it's a completely different like logical metric. It's yeah. like I'm making decisions based solely on how I can get high, stay high, and do that most effectively. Yeah, and and even my friends who you know I was running with um, that were you know shooting dope, when I, you know, when I was like trying to, you know, get into needles because I was just smoking heroin wasn't doing it for me. Nah. None of them would show me how to do it. <laughs> I had to literally like figure it out myself and, you know, yeah. shoot myself up. Yeah. You always hear the stories about like, yeah, like my, my best friend gave me my first shot of heroin or right, my ex-boyfriend right. gave me my first shot of heroin or ex-girlfriend or whatever. And uh, for me, it was like, nah, I had to figure that. Like they all just sat there and watched me as I did it. And I just yeah. fell out and then right in front of all of them. And then they're like, you know, I woke up a couple hours later and I was like, that was amazing. Yeah. And never, yeah. Went, never went back. But no one, I couldn't figure out before I got mad. I'm like, dude, why can't you just show me? They're like, nah, yeah. fam, I'm not going to be, I think they kind of knew. Right. They kind of, right. they knew because they were shooting it up too. They're like, you know, I don't want to be like the dude that like gives I this guy's generally how him. people feel. And I was always too giving. Cause I'm like, yeah, I'll show you how to shoot up or like here, try this. It's great. And I still, I've got some, I mean, I haven't talked to any of them in years, but like when I was, uh, moving back to Fresno and, and just kicking it around here, I'd have, uh, mainly girls, you know, they'll be, they'll make you, they'll be the cause of a lot of stupid decisions to be like, I can't believe you gave me Coke or, or showed me how to smoke black tar or this and that. Like I, that's, that's all I do now. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, my bad. Cool. Was there Sweet. was there ever any? You know, you're big into your steps, you know, and everything like that. Oh yeah. Was there any like big like nine step amends you had to make because of like you like, I don't want to say turning people out to yeah. like that type of drug use, but like you know introducing it to them. You know, there there really wasn't. Um, 
because most people they they were already there. Right. And, it was just uh, like basically a matter of time. You just happened to be the guy that that entered that just. I was the guy there, and um, there was one that uh, I I I was willing to make was going to make, and uh, she didn't want to talk to me. You know, right. so what are you going to do at that point? You yeah. know, you're just kind of just like, well, yeah. I guess um, you know when you're ready. And that, that's actually how mo- that's actually how most of those went. It was like either I can't find them, or uh, I thought I was a bigger deal than they did. I'm like going to make an amends for what I thought. Like they're like, what? No, like you didn't hurt me. Like what? You're not that important. I'm like, oh, damn you. Oh <laughs> God, here I was. Yeah, a little bit of ego. Oh man. So after um, get you know uh, leaving UC Santa Cruz, going yeah. back to Fresno, um, when were you introduced to sobriety? Like when did sobriety mm-hmm. like present itself to you? How how'd that go down? That was um, damn. You know, I was. Uh, let's see, what was the real catalyst for that? I don't know. Things were not going good. You know, I had. I was still trying to go to school, you know, at Fresno City, chucking away, like maybe passing, taking three classes a semester, probably passing one, failing two, and uh, working at a grocery store and working as a sound guy for a while, and uh, just shooting dope, man. I was just all I was doing, and uh, I was just late to work high all the time i remember shooting up in my check stand once at the grocery store like it was late and i'm like man i can make this work and i'm like i like duck down on my check stand got a needle in my arm or somebody like is anybody up here and i like stand up i'm like oh like (laughs) sideways you know keeping my arm underneath the counter like oh hi like (laughs) good you know i was doing i would be like late for work like hitting while driving you know i was driving with my knees cooking a shot and hitting while driving up up you know up to the mountain and just crazy shit like that losing veins so i start hitting in my neck and uh it might my hands were all fucked up like i uh what brought me in man like i was really not able to work anymore like shit was it was messed up you know and uh i had uh you know i i used to be into self-harm too and so i got real mad one night and kind of like sliced up my arm a little bit and uh my manager took me aside and uh he's like he's like let's talk you know like some people notice this and we talked about that and then my parents were fed up with my drug use and i'm like okay my manager i told him like i'm depressed he asked me if i needed some time my parents are fed up with my drug use they're looking at rehabs I'll tell my manager I need a depression leave so I don't have to tell him about my drug use. And I took the chance to go to rehab. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I didn't really want it. You know, I wanted to get the heat off. And I still had no concept, really, of how the disease works, I guess. Because I wanted to figure out a way to, like, you know, like responsibly shoot heroin right shoot heroin like a gentleman exactly yeah like let me know when you figure that out i don't think anyone's really you know if i ever hear about it i'll uh (laughs) you'll be the first to know i tell all my sponsees that i'm like when you can like 
do dope and uh, not have any consequences. You let me, you <laughs> right. let me know. Right. But like until then, we're going to work these steps and we're going to stay sober. Exactly. Like, hey, if, if you figure out how you can do this, more power to you. But uh, all the evidence points to the contrary. <laughs> yeah. you know? Exactly. And uh, so that's where I was with all the evidence pointing to the contrary. But I just wanted the eyes off me. Right. You know, like, stop looking at me. Those alternative motives. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And uh, so I did that. I went to the rehab, which, of course, requires going to meetings and getting a sponsor. I still have that same sponsor. Um, and he is a great man. Uh, really, um, he's a sponsor I need. You know, I, I, I at one time I had relapsed. Well, let's see. Uh, maybe I won't skip ahead. I just I just didn't want it, you know. I didn't want it bad enough. I And I didn't even recognize, at that point, I wouldn't even... Uh, announce like I would announce as an alcoholic because there were some AA meetings I like going to but I didn't think I was an alcoholic even though like I think it might might have been the first or second week I was there I I got drunk in rehab but I thought it was okay because I was with the pastor of my parents church and he bought me a beer so that was all right it was cool really he just bought you a beer yeah, you know, Lutheran church, they're all about their beer, you know, German, okay. German gotcha. status, you know. It's it's a cultural thing, I guess. I was It always weirded me out, but I, I didn't really. I'm like, oh, I guess most pastors don't, like, drink beer with <laughs> people in their congregation. Especially the people in their con- congregation who are in rehab. Well, they he didn't know that at the time. This was still in the, like, let's try and keep this under wraps so people don't know how bad Brian's doing. Oh, okay. Period. Gotcha. You know? And, uh, God, I think I only ha- had, uh, four months before I gave up and hit up my old connect, you know, and, uh, just started using again, trying to use like, and not, not letting anybody know, of course, cause I think I can get a handle on it. I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, I'll use just this once and I'll keep going to meetings. It'll be fine. I get, it'd be maybe a couple weeks before I use again. Oh my God. Ah, God, I fucked up. It'll be all right. And, uh, I think it may have, must've been October or November when it just, I just, I was using, I wasn't using every day yet, but it was like, I was doing the old like shuffle where it's like, I can use for three days and then I got to cut off. So I don't have withdrawals too bad. And then I'm clean for four days uh, kind of try and get it a little bit out of my system that I'm going to use for another three days. And I was, I was secretarying a meeting thinking, this is okay. I, I can get this under control. I don't want to lose this secretary position. So I'm not going to tell anybody, you know, I'm not going to be honest with anybody. Right. Cause it's still all about saving face. Right. It's all about putting up appearances. I did not want to get clean. I wanted to keep up appearances. And, uh, God, one day I, I, had to get loaded before showing up at this Wednesday meeting. It was necessary. So it was too late. But I still hit my connect up. I'm like, okay, I got to do this. And I didn't, I don't meet up with him until it's time for the meeting to start. I'm like, I know I'm going to be late. And I'm so disgusted with myself from using and like being late to the meeting that I'm supposed to be secretarying. And so I do a huge shot. And I'm like, I didn't OD this time. Uh, but I was just completely out of it and I stumble into the meeting all sweaty and just looking half dead, you know, sweaty, pale, just fucked pinpoint up. eyes. And, uh, they had gotten into the room without my key. I don't remember how, but you know, they had their meeting and, 
and just walked up there like, how you doing? And I'm like, not great. <laughs> like, like, okay, get some coffee, sit down. We'll okay. Talk later. Did they, you know? so they kind of just, they made the meeting happen and kind of mm-hmm. just, just sit down. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty cool then. And it's like, well, the thing was, you know, I'm like, I'm like, they knew they were just waiting for me to be honest, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, when it was impossible for me to not be honest, you know, right? Uh, then they can, you know, like, okay, like you can't, you can't even pretend to not be loaded anymore. So right. what do you want to do? And it was only another month before I just gave up again. And th- that was, I just felt really defeated, you know, I, uh, so I was still at the grocery store at that time. I was, oh man, I was, I was kicking bad and, uh, I had argued with my parents, like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do anymore. Like, I don't know how to stay clean. You know, I mean, of course, the tools were there, but Still I don't in know. that denial, kind yeah. of like all about. In the denial mode. Yeah. Like, I, 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 mm, I don't know. I don't know what it is, man. It's kicking hard. I had to go to work. And, uh, but I had two Zanny bars. So I'm like, okay, um, this might make it okay. So I take one, go to work. I'm feeling a little bit spacing out. I take the second one and I'm really like, I can't focus on people's eyes. You know, I'm like messing up people's, I'm like punching in the wrong numbers and like, I'm like, yeah, this really isn't working out. I can't stay here much longer. I'm like, but I don't really, I was so just, I, I gave up. I'm like, I give up. I don't know what to do anymore. And so I don't know where this thought came from, but I'm like, I'm going to take all the cash that's in my drawer turn off my like hit up my connect first of course uh turn off my phone and just go get as loaded as i as i can until whatever consequences happen happen so i i got about a thousand dollars in cash out of my till uh booked it downtown uh turned off my phone after i made my deals and i told my uh i picked up my connect got a bottle of xanax some coke and some heroin and i told him that i had all intentions of killing myself and he's like, no, not while you're with me, you're not. <laughs> and I'm like, well, then just go. He's like, dude, you already told me. I can't let you do that. He's like, just get high and come to my place. And, uh, of course, once I was good and loaded, I didn't feel so bad anymore. So I didn't right. really want to kill myself. I'm like, oh, this is okay. So I ended up just kicking it with my dealer for a few days, you know. And then I got this bright idea that I was going to... Uh, ride a bike across the United States, right? I was going to be a traveling poet or I don't know. Yeah. Like, and, and I, but you know, I didn't start writing until I ran out of drugs, you know, cause when I had my drugs, it was cool. I was just kicking it. And so I start riding my bike and, uh, I, this was in January, man. It was really cold. I slept under a bridge out in the cuts and I woke up and I'm starting to kick and I made it not very far. <laughs> it was a imagine. terrible bike too. And I just pass out like on the sidewalk in this like residential neighborhood and this lady drives by and she's like, are you okay? And I'm like, no, but don't worry about it. <laughs> like, And I'm just... It, it was that point where I'm like, I'm going to have to do something I really don't want to do. Like, I'm going to have to, um, I don't know, man. Like, I'm kicking. 
and I and it's like I either try and get help again or do things with an even higher risk of consequences you know so I called home and said look I'm ready to come home what do I what do I got to do you know and uh at that point I didn't go to rehab again I, I went to I moved into a sober living uh relapsed there because I hated it and uh that was oh god no that was oh so that was only for a little bit I got clean for almost two years between 2013 and 2015 and I, I worked steps I had a few sponsees um what was missing was a concept of a higher power that worked for me and were you using a higher power that was like you didn't really believe in or were you kind of just like faking the whole higher power <sighs> thing? it was it, I, I think it was probably a kind of faking it you know I just didn't think about it right which is similar to what I do now except that I've thought about it enough that I can work steps around it you know and before I was just like, eh, I just won't worry about this. Right. And so that didn't work. So those two those two years of sobriety, working steps, having sponsees, everything like that. Mm-hmm. You have this conception of or you don't even have a conception of a not really. Power. And not really. What you know, I mean, hate like spoiler alert, mm-hmm. but I hate to say like what what happened? What we we know you know we know you relapsed, obviously. obviously but yeah. what what happened? Like for all our listeners out there who may be kind of like struggling with the higher power thing or, or right. whatever, what was kind of like the importance of of that relapse in the in the sense of like you're high, not having a higher power? There was no hope is what there was. There was no hope. I was just kind of struggling along and um, I didn't see any like, so I had my clean time and that was it for me. You know, I didn't like where my life was at at all. And uh, even though there was nothing really bad about it, but I saw no way for it to get better. Um, and for what's missing in a higher power there for me is like, today I have a conception of at least trying to find the next indicated thing, making an effort to find that. You know, which I wasn't doing before. So if you're not making an effort to find what, you know, if you don't like God, fine, that's cool. I don't, I went for a long time. I never said God because I did not like saying God. But for now, it's just an easy way to say whatever you believe in. Yeah. You know, and so like without looking for God's will, how can you have any sort of faith in what you're doing? You know, like, and so everything I did, it was always second guessed. And like, I don't even know if what I'm doing is right. You know, what should I be doing? What's God's will here was not even a question on my mind, you know? And uh, so then there's no hope. That's what I was left with. So then when you get to a point where, well, first off, was your relapse premeditated or was it kind of just like poof, it happened? It was poof, man. It was poof, what did it, what did but it I think like? it had been building for a while. Um, I was working delivering furniture, right? And uh, that was part of it. It was not a great job. It was actually kind of fun sometimes. I, I love driving around, you know, because, like, that's great. Um, 
but I was, uh, we went to pick up uh, some mattresses from the mattress store and a uh, homie working there had this handle of um, Fireball. And he's like, hey, you guys want some? It was my birthday last night. I still got this handle. Like, come on, you guys are just going back to the shop, right? You're almost off. And uh, the guy I worked with was like, oh, no, thanks, man. You know, you know, he smoked weed every day. He was at work. So it wasn't like out of any moral indignation or anything. He just wasn't feeling it. Wasn't feeling it. But me, I kind of looked at it. And I'm like, huh. And just in that moment, I just didn't care. And it wasn't like, uh, I think I can control this or... Like, maybe things will be different this time. It was just like, I don't want to try anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to bother. And uh, I just chugged from that thing, man. And I got nice and toasted. I came back to the truck. The guy I worked was like, dude, you're an alcoholic. <laughs> I'm just like, you are correct. <laughs> Congratulations. Yes. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, like <laughs> it was there, you know? And I, and I was just like, I wasn't going to go to meetings because I was like, I'm not going to be a hypocrite again. Like I know what's happening. Is it just all pride and ego based around the fact that, you know, you didn't want to have to go back and announce yourself as new and that you relapsed <sighs> or was it kind of just like the fact that you were over the, f you were over quote unquote over sobriety right. because you didn't have that belief in a higher power and then now you relapse is kind of like mm -hmm. fuck it. It was it was fuck it, man. It was like I knew what was going to happen from like my previous like I don't even know if I called a relapse. My pre previous efforts to control, you know, drinking and using. It was like I know how this is going to go. And I'm just going to hang on to my job as long as I can and I don't know. I'll just try and keep living, but I know I'm not going to stay sober. I kind of just gave up and I'm like, this is just not going to work out, but whatever. What did, what did it look like after that? Like, uh, your progression? Uh, it started out with, uh, you know, I would, I would pick up my, a couple rock stars before work and a pint of vodka and pour them into my rock stars by a tall can at lunch. And it started out, I was just drinking and pretty quickly I hit up my old connect and it started out and then it was, um, still drinking but also heroin maintenance throughout the day with a special treat at morning and lunchtime. I would give myself a speedball, a little, a little treat for uh, before work. And that was actually my second OD was, was picking up before work. And I, I did a nice little speedball. I wanted to do a little more this time, man. I was building a tolerance. You know, I'm like, I can put a little bit more Coke in here, you know, like. You can do a lot of coke before you OD, right? And so I'm putting, you know, it's that uh, synergistic effect, which I was aware of, but once again, you know, don't really care. I was right. trying to get higher. And uh, yeah, I was lucky, you know? I was out in my car for a while and I woke up. I could feel, you know, the breathing, just like sitting there barely. You know, your brain is going all kinds of different places. Yeah, it doesn't know to go up or down or yeah. sideways, left or right. You know, so I'm not really thinking much about what's going on, except I'm noticing that, like, huh, that breath went out. I wonder if I'm going to be able to take another breath in and kind of waiting. And, oh, there it is. There it is. Another breath in. And then, you know, I'm out and, and I wake up. And I go to work. <laughs> like, wow. 
And, um, that's crazy. And then what, what did it look like when you finally decided that you needed to get sober again after all that? Man, I, uh, was it another rehab or was it kind of just like it? Uh, let's see what, no, no, it wasn't. You know, I, I spent, um, well, so I did a, I did a suboxone detox, which is the first time I ever did that. And I drank for three more months and then I relapsed for two weeks on uh, coke and heroin again. And, uh, man, it was weird. It was like, there was no way I could continue that. Like for some reason it was just like, you know, they talk about the progression. It was just like so nuts right off the bat that, uh, it was obvious to me like, oh, well this, this is just not going to work. And at the same time, you know, I had kind of, I had just given up, but there was just this tiny little glint of, like, there might be more I want to do with my life. Like, I might not be ready to die yet, was basically, that was what it was. I'm like, I had already, the band I'm in now, I had already been playing in it. And they have seen some of my behavior, you know, just being just wild, at gigs, you know, I, and, uh, you know, passing out when it wouldn't seem normal for a person to just be like sleeping (laughs) (laughs) and, uh, not stuff that would, uh, you know, not enough for them. If they saw everything, they probably would have kicked me out long ago, but I had the band that was going good. And, uh, I was seeing a girl at the time and she had said, you know, like, this isn't going to work, you know? Uh, she would tolerate with my, tolerate my drunkenness because uh, she had her own issues. Anybody with any self-respect would not have tolerated my drunkenness. Yeah. But, uh, um, you know, when I started using heroin again, it was like, I thought you were done with this. This is not going to work. So I think there was that. There was the band. And there were things. I'm like, you know what? I If I am clean and sober for these things, they could actually be good. Like... Right, because you had a, you had potential. knowledge. You had knowledge of what sobriety is like before. Yeah. Then you have all these things that could be potentially good, and you could see how much better they could be once you're sober. Mm-hmm. And then, what was the final? Just this is happening. Like you know, when was it? Just like that full, complete defeat that got you to you know wanting to finally you know get sober again. I, my um. So that girl I was dating came back for Labor Day weekend. Um, and so my clean date was the fourth. This was the fifth. So I'm still kicking. And uh, to keep up appearances, I have to go to breakfast with her parents before Ooh, she drives back. That's going to be fun. I can already tell. Oh, man, and I'm just hacking my way through it, you know. And... That was, and and just that whole weekend, you know, just kicking again was like this, my life doesn't have to be this way. And the only thing I knew was like, I, I gotta, gotta do recovery again. Like that's the only thing I can do. And it was kind of just really breaking it down to like, there's no other options. It's like I use and die or 
I do this recovery thing again. And I already had, you know, I was still with my sponsor. It wasn't like he dropped me or I fired him. It was just, I just wasn't working steps. I was out getting it out of my system, I guess. And I'm lucky I didn't die in the process. Um, but so I still had him, you know, I'm like, Hey, can we work steps again? And he's like, of course, come on over. And it was just, I began to see more and more in him that was like, dude, this is what life can be like or that I hadn't even noticed before. And I, I just began, and this, this is part of the God thing, right? Like I don't really have a God that is like a dude looking at me and saying, oh, let's, let's, let's give Brian this or let's not give Brian this or like, oh, I think Brian needs to grow. So let's like make things a little more difficult in this area. I, I don't think it's all so conscious, but I do believe that things are connected and things happen. Um, maybe not necessarily the way they're supposed to happen, but there's more to the connections between things than sheer chance. And, uh, like, why was I suddenly able to see these things about my sponsor's life that are deeper things that I want other than just being clean and being kind of strange, you know, and saying fuck a lot? Like, yeah. I began to see, wow, he has a good relationship with his wife. He has a good relationship with his kids. He has a job that pays his bills, doesn't drive him nuts, and affords him the opportunity to do things he really cares about in his free time. And I'm like, he has the ability to make decisions about what he spends his money on. And like, I'm like, wow, those are all things that I want. And also the superficial, he's kind of like me, you know, yeah. and in other ways. And I'm able to go to meetings and uh, I started hitting some different meetings, trying to find meetings that really connected with me. And uh, actually where I met you, Steve, uh, that was one, that's been my go-to for the last four years was I began to see people who had large, um, you know, bigger numbers of sobriety, like, years in sobriety. Right, right. And had, you know, whether or not their story was like mine, they had the same feelings that I had of like worthlessness, I'm not good enough, I can't do this, you know, fear around uh, ever being able to do anything. And, uh, but here they were where, they had these feelings, uh, a substance, whether or not it was just alcohol or like me, you know, just whatever, mainly alcohol, heroin, cocaine. Um, and they had found a way to live. They had found a way to change themselves to be compatible with life as it is. And um, that was a really big thing for me. Is that what really kind of uh, attracted you to stay this last time? Yeah. Yeah, okay. that's what got me sticking there is seeing people who were pe people who even not necessarily happy, right? Because I've also got to this like, you know, who cares about happy? I just want to be content. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's not always going to be a party, but I saw people who were okay. Right. Now, how did the uh, how did the God thing come together in your sobriety this time? It's been a process, man. Um, let me grab a drink of water. There you go. Quench the thirst. Uh-huh. So the first thing I did was try to go to church with my, with my dad because my dad's all about it. And I tried really hard uh, for a while. I thought I can play music. That made it bearable to um, be in church. I could play music in church. 
And then uh, we lost one of our male singers. So I'm like, okay, I, I'll, I'm singing. I'm playing guitar and lead guitar. And one, and, and then our, <laughs> the piano player who should, like she was the arranger who chose the songs and, and um, organized practices and stuff. She moved and they asked, and they're like, so do you want to do this? And I'm like, okay, maybe this is what I'm supposed to do. Maybe that's how it's going to be. Still didn't really feel any connection to this form of God, spirituality. But you just like playing, playing music. That I was thought your thing. it's what my dad really liked, and I like to play music. So I'm like, okay. But once it was my responsibility to pick songs and to get up and sing these words, um, I couldn't do it. Something just hit me and like, that like, <laughs> I think it sounds funny to people when I say that my morals wouldn't let me sing in church because <laughs> it's like, where do you get morals then? It's like my level of honesty won't, wouldn't let me stand up there and sing songs that I didn't believe in. And I'm like, whoa, it just kind of like, I'm like, I can't do this anymore. Did that send you kind of searching for a new God or a new understanding of yeah. a higher power? Yeah. And like, okay, so I can't do this because it just doesn't. I have to find a way to, and that's when it became, it wasn't like before I, I just gave up. I'm like, okay, I can't find something that works. I'm, I'm an atheist. The group is my higher power or whatever. I don't know how it works. But this was like, okay, I got to find out how I can pray, how I can turn my will over, how I can <clears throat> meditate, you know, and not compromise um, my ideals, you know. Because uh, that's a lot of what it was. You know, I'd look around and I'd see, like, I, 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 can't, I can't wrap my head around this concept of God. It just doesn't work for me. But I need a God, you know. And so that kind of started me looking at it. And I found different things that were like, yeah, this, this makes sense. And this makes sense as a way to approach life and a way to look at life. And a lot of it for me has been really abandoning, asking questions that have no answers and looking at well what can I do you know and it's like yeah I feel like do you think this is part of God's plan and I'm like I don't know you'd have to ask him oh <laughs> and he's probably not going to tell you and it's like I'm these are things I'm never going to know but I can know that how I'm reacting to a situation isn't really working and isn't conducive to serenity I'm like, okay, how do I change this? And I can, I can pray for the will. And, and to me, it's like, man, some people don't like my conception, you know, cause they're like, oh, well that's not God. I'm like, okay, fine. But I call it God. It's like, I think when I pray, I access something deep within the human, like it's, it's like we're there is a lot more going on in the mind than we think about, you know, like this is Carl Jung and upward, you know, subconsciousness or the unconscious mind. And, uh, you know, a lot of things that people examine and, and think about and, um, whether or not, whether it's outside or whether it's inside that it's coming from, I believe that I can pray to find what I'm the best, the next best thing I can do. Then the, the best next action I can take. I believe I can pray 
and if I'm keeping myself open for that communication, that I can do it, you know. Okay. And that keeps me going. There it is. There it is. And um, how's life looking like now? For all the listeners, how's life looking like now with four years of sobriety? Dude, life is great. Life is great. And uh, I can say that while um, not being where I want to be. Exactly. That's huge. That's that's very, very important right there is being able to say that it's great. Right. Even though... You're not where you want to be, but you know that it is great. Life is great, and I'm 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 not where I want to be. I'm things aren't, you know, like, you know, like you you interview for your job, right? Oh, where do you see yourself in five years? Like, uh, I'll probably still be living with my folks. I won't have my own car. I won't have finished school, and uh, whatever, man. These are all surface level things, and they're things I have to work work through and learn in sobriety. And life is great today because what I've done in the last four years is a lot of learning. You know, that girl I came in here with, wonder of all wonders, she broke up with me. God damn it. You know? Damn her. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know. It happens. What happened was it happens. I got in here and started working. I got better. She didn't. Go figure. Oh, for the listeners, I shrugged. Yeah. Oops. Star, shrug, star. Um. <laughs> And you know, so I had to like, oh God, I had to go through that. I had to go through my dog, my little buddy, you know, who would like give me looks of just such like, I'm so sad for you when I was using. And then was my little buddy when, when I was, you know, my first couple years in recovery, she died and I went through that. I, I have a, now have a delightful boy who also helps me meditate. That's one of my big meditative things, but I, I keep getting more and more in my life. It's just very slow. Yeah, it's not going to happen overnight. I've learned that the 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 pace of sobriety is is I mean time passes quickly, but the pace at which I am able to progress, it's it's slow. It's just that's just the way it is. And and when I get most uh twisted up and like start to be discontent, it's when I want things to happen more quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there it is. Um so what's a big thing that like helps you with your serenity today who man um a lot of times it's uh okay trick question it's uh, yeah oh man i see you have written down um (laughs) it's knowing that like the things over which i have control that's it's a very small circle and when my serenity starts to dissipate, um, you know, I, I, uh, I, it's, it's my dog helps me a lot. He's my, he, he, uh, it's my little sobriety buddy. He's sometimes he's a little too wild. He's, as he gets older, he's, he's calming down, but which is good. Sometimes when he really wants to get, get rowdy, he does not help my serenity at all. <laughs> but, um, I kind of bounce my problems off him and uh, he invariably has the response that, hey man, the problem is you. And which I, it, it sounds very simple, right? Like, wow, great answer. The problem is you. That really fucking helps. Yeah. Like, thank you for telling me that. Wow. But it's like, okay, n- now I know what to look for, right? Like, what is it? What am I doing? What am, And 
most of the time, it's I'm I'm just I'm focusing on something that's that it's, it's not going to change. It's not going to change. So either get okay with it, or you know uh, find a way to extricate yourself from the situation. And uh, it's honestly what helps with my serenity is kind of some of this positive nihilism, which sounds like an oxymoron, but it's like. I can't do anything about this and that's okay. I have like this doesn't or this doesn't really matter and that's okay. You know, like mm-hmm. I don't require life to be imbued with meaning. It's like, you know what? This probably doesn't matter at all and that's all right. I'm just going to see what happens. I'm going to let this go, see what happens. And um I've been able to we were like, dude, how can you like that does not sound like serenity to me. And I'm like, that's that's what works best for me. Yeah. Because if things start to mean too much, fuck, dude. It sucks. Yeah. You want to fix everything. Because yeah. it's just life is never, life is never really like 100% constant. No. And I think for no. us to have that expectation for it to be constant 24-7, 365 is just delusional thinking. I think what I do the most is... uh try to avoid that i try to avoid setting myself up to be dissatisfied with life because uh, life happens it just does life, is life, happen, life happens and and if you know if we want to sit here and take life too seriously then fuck buddy it's gonna suck yeah but if you, it's all about it's all about the perspective it's all about the state of mind and it's all about um yeah it's all about your view on the situation whatever yeah. situation that may be good bad or indifferent right. you can have a an amazing thing happen to you and still look at it negatively yeah solely based on or you can have it be like a great situation but then because of your perception of that situation it can be absolutely trash oh it can be the worst yeah you know i'm like yeah homie i believe you that god's got your back but you still got cancer yeah. You know, like that's the truth of it, and you can't be upset at God. You can't, you know, like because yeah, God does have your back, but so what, man? Yeah, <laughs> doesn't mean your body your doesn't mean your body is going to work perfectly. Yeah, that's no. true. That's true. I think if everything worked perfectly in this world, then this world would be boring as fuck. There's that standard vision. It, it probably would be, man. And then, of course, you have the, like, chicken and egg debate, man. Like, well, but if that was the only world we knew, then it wouldn't be so boring, would it? Oh, yeah, but fuck that, dude. That's too deep, you know? I know, man, yeah. That's way, that's too, way much, too deep. Dude. Although, great discussion for another episode. Sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, we got the rock star here in the building. Would you like to shout out oh, your yeah, band I real do, quick? I do play in a band. Um, if any of you want to check it out, it's uh, The Morning Drive. You can go to themorningdriveband.com. We have Facebook, Insta, all the things. Um, just uh, if you're if you're a comrade in recovery, just keep that part anonymous because, I mean, the band is obviously well aware of the life Brian's I live Brian's drug today. addiction yeah. and his recovery. Yeah, but, uh, you know, just... Um, if you uh if you like them, you know, remember that this is this is our one addict talking to another here and uh if you want to hang out outside of that context, you know, and listen to the band, I always Wow, I can't really quite figure out how to say this in a in a quick way. Anyway, that's the band. It's cool. You can check it out. The morning drive? The morning drive, yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right. And um 
Yeah, man. Thank you for an amazing episode. You Thank know, you, Steve. A, this has been a great discussion. I think you brought a little different um, twist on higher power to the uh, cool to the sicker than most podcast series, and I appreciate that. I Word. That's I, all about. We're all about different perspectives, and we're all about you know different things. I think yours is definitely extremely powerful because it works for you. Works for me, man. And that's the big thing is it works for you. And I think that um, it also shows too that you know people uh people who are new in sobriety or even have a couple of years in sobriety just you know know that your conception of the higher power doesn't have to be what everyone else's is it just has to work amen there it is there it is <laughs> so thank you again you know um follow us on um instagram sicker than most podcast no caps no spaces we got a facebook group it's public so check that out and join join the group if you have any questions comments concerns criticism critique throw it in the comments shoot us a dm on instagram we'd love to hear your guys's feedback if you have a crazy story or a uh, an exciting story even just a boring story if you want to hop on the podcast hit us like up it was pretty boring i didn't feel on fire no, there, today there were some there are some good ones okay sick some, thanks bro this room is incredibly hot though i need to get an ac so it kind of just drains the life out of you because it's so warm maybe that's it yeah yeah we're working on that. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, you know, I always like to end every episode with this, you know. For all my listeners, you are lovable and you are forgivable no matter what you've done, no matter where you come from. So just keep that in mind. Keep your head up. Keep it moving. And I uh, love you guys. Peace. Peace.